0: The title of the message is, His Righteousness, Your Glory. His Righteousness, Your Glory. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover it in a, the, today will be more of a line upon line kind of message because, uh, you know, sometimes Milu Mil- 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 Mil the other day was telling me, she was like, uh, hey, even though you share a lot of stuff, sometimes it, 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 it needs to settle down and you, people need to know the truth on a very basis. Sometimes what happens is because we listen to so many things, we, we there's so much stuff going on, so you don't focus on really the hardcore truth, and we need to get that truth into your system. So today I felt it was a time to really settle certain truths, which the enemy hates. you. He doesn't want you to know that, or he doesn't, he, he, he wants you to just have it at a very supernatural superficial level of understanding today i want the holy spirit wants you to learn some hardcore meat truths and let's settle into your spirit because it will create so much fruit uh, so before we start let's just pray father we come before your throne of grace father this is your church built upon your lord on your son the lord jesus christ And the Holy Spirit who has been sent to us, the church, as a divine teacher, help our lives to be enlightened, to hear from the Holy Spirit today evening, O Master. And let our hearts be open, O Lord, and be a soil of good understanding of the word that you are bringing forth. Reveal the scriptures to us, O Lord, in a fresh, in a new, and in, in the way that you want us to know. For you are faithful to your word, and it will bear great fruit in this lives of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. So his righteousness, your glory. So let, let's, uh, So last time we had taken this uh, message on the face of Jesus Christ, uh, I don't know how many of you all had heard that message. Uh, If you got a chance to, you might want to go back and, because obviously we didn't cover a lot of stuff, but at least it gives you a basis to understand that the face of Jesus is your inheritance. See, the world cannot see the face of Jesus, but it has been given to you and me to see the face of Jesus. And what is the benefit of seeing the face of Jesus? Because the face of Jesus is a mirror. If, if you don't get, if you do not got anything out of the last message, you should have got this one, that the face of Jesus is a mirror. Why, why is it essential to see the mirror? So you can see how you look. So Jesus face is a mirror. So if you don't look at the face of Jesus, you will not know who you are. So you will think you are what you see in the natural mirror. And the natural mirror tells a lie concerning you because you are not natural. So hear me out. You are not natural. You are born from above. You have not been born from a mother. Remember? And this might shock you. Are you ready for some meat? You are not born from a mother. You were born from a mother, but that one died when you accepted Jesus because that one died when Jesus died. And when you were resurrected, you were not born from flesh. That's when Jesus said to Nicodemus, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The natural man cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you and I were born from God directly. See, that you you think that you are still... Okay, this might shock you. You know, you are just like Melchizedek. See, Melchizedek was told, and Paul wanted to explain about Melchizedek, and the church could not understand what Paul was trying to say. So Paul almost became very frustrated. He says... Man, I want to tell you about Melchizedek, but you cannot take it. You still need to be fed milk. What was about Melchizedek that Paul was trying to teach? And today we will cover that. What he was trying to say about Melchizedek was, Melchizedek was a very unique person that showed up in the life of Abraham. And what talks about Melchizedek was, he was without genealogy, having neither father or mother. Having neither beginning of days nor end of days, having been first a king of righteousness and also a king of peace. Are you getting the getting where it's going? You, Jesus, was resurrected not according to the tribe of Judah. See, when he was born, he was born under which tribe? Judah. Judah. But when he was resurrected, he was born under which tribe? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. What happened to Melchizedek? So he's of the tribe. There is no tribe. He was according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus' natural birth was Judah. But his resurrected birth was according to Melchizedek. And what was the characteristic of Melchizedek? Number one. What is the first characteristic of Melchizedek? He was a priest of the No. King of no. What, what is the. What? Said, no father, no father. Mother. See, that's the first. Can you imagine there was a man that showed up in Abraham's lifetime that did not have a father and mother? that's unique so we are of the same order of melchizedek because our first fruit who was the first fruit from the dead who was the firstborn from the dead jesus Jesus. so you have also been born same right because remember you are in christ jesus so you so you were you died so your natural bobby natural bobby died right so the new bobby I don't even know what Bobby's new name is according to Jesus because Jesus said, I will give her a name that only she knows. <laughs> Do you know that? You're, you're... <laughs> That's what he says in Revelation. So, you know, none of y'all are going to carry the same name. <laughs> See, because... The... Let me ask you a question. Who names you? I like natural, uh, your, natu- your natural parents name you. So when you're born... Your neighbor cannot name you. Mm -hmm. Only the one who is given birth can name you. So now when you are born again, who has the right to name you? God the Father. God the Father, because you are now born of God. Are you getting this? Are you ready for meat? You need to completely renew your mind, right? Because if you know this truth, Satan cannot touch you because you are not of this kingdom. You got it? You just happen to be in the same UPS package. It looks like a FedEx package, but inside, it's a totally different deal. <laughs> so you look the same, you sound the same, but you are really not the same. You are according to the order of Melchizedek. You do not have a father and mother. You do not have a genealogy. What are the advantages of not having a genealogy? Let's look at Dr. Jr. Dr. Jr. What do you think is the advantages of not having a genealogy? Well, it just depends on perspective. Okay. <laughs> it's all about perspective. And if you have no genealogy, that means there's no uh, there's no real tracking of ancestry. Okay. What is the advantage? Um, you can accept your identity, but Lord, and not feel guilty that that you're missing any lineage otherwise. Okay anybody else what is the advantage of not having a genealogy No You don't have you just don't have all that baggage You don't have all the baggage Doesn't matter whether your father had heart heart issue or cancer issue there is bad genes there is sin there is b- garbage in your genealogy there is wrath issues more, in sexual sexually issues all kinds of issues there is nothing you don't have a baggage you are directly from God and that's the advantage that you have and that's very important that we therefore that's why coming back to the point why do we need to? okay by the way Melchizedek also does not have beginning of days he does not have end of days do you have end of days for you now there is no end. Suddenly, once you are born again, the promises in the Bible are all everlasting righteousness, everlasting life, everlasting peace, everlasting joy. Have you seen this word show up before you were born again? There was no everlasting. There was only one everlasting, that the worm will not die, nor the fire will be quenched. That was the only everlasting that, you were part, that your inheritance was. But not right now. So now you don't even have end of days. Second, you are a king of righteousness. Melchizedek was a king of righteousness. That means he was the, he, he was the king of righteousness. And this he, he's like, it's like saying he's the king of locusts. That means he's the chief locust. So when he says he's the king of righteousness, he, that means everybody under him was righteous. So Jesus is the king of righteousness. So all who are born of him are all righteous forever. And then he is the king of peace. That means he's, we are already, always at peace with the father. So huge, huge truths that we are not of the natural man. So why do we have to see the face of Jesus? You have to see the face of Jesus because Jesus' face is a mirror. So are you seeing the resurrected Jesus right now? Or are you seeing the natural Jesus with a beard, with a Jewish out, attire who walked the streets of Nazareth? Which which Jesus are you seeing? The resurrected Jesus. And that is the reason Jesus revealed himself the way he looks in Revelation chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. He kept on talking to every church and telling them, look at me. Look at my eyes. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. And he started teaching them out of his body parts. Have you noticed that every letter of Jesus to the churches in Revelation is about some part of his body? He he never spoke like that when he was here on the earth. Jesus at no point in any gospel, in any word, has any hinted to his natural physical attribute. Show me one verse. In fact, there is not even one verse in the Bible which talks about how beautiful his eyes are. In the gospel. It is there in the song of Solomon's. It's there but not in the gospel. The natural Jesus, the Holy Spirit was careful not to associate any value to his physical thing. So that your trust will not be in man, and flesh, but it will be in the resurrected Jesus. But suddenly Jesus is resurrected. He goes to heaven. He shows up in full glory to John. With no filter. And tell them, tell them how I look. Why? Because the way he looks is the way you look. If he is perfect, you are perfect. If he is powerful, you are powerful. If he is seated on the throne, you are seated on the throne. If he is in white, You are in white. You see? He's a mirror. But now there is value to him knowing him as he is. And that is why you have to see the face of Jesus on a daily basis. But not your natural Jesus. Not the painting that you bought up from the supermarket. Not that Jesus. The Jesus in your, which you can see. And you will say, how can I see Jesus? How can I see Jesus? Okay, let's go to John John chapter, we'll, we, we'll talk about it, but it's so powerful. You know, people never preach this. People don't, people don't preach this fact. People always preach, look unto yourself and how you can improve yourself. It's, it's a deception. You, it's a deception. So they are always trying to say, look into the law and see where you've missed it. So that you can correct yourself. You heard that? Correct? So the law is there to correct yourself. So that you can change your behavior. So that you can be what the law says. That you need to be. It's a deception. It's a total deception. That's the plan of the enemy. You have to look to Jesus. To be transformed. To be like Jesus. He is the mirror. You have to look at him. And you say but I have to do something about it. That is not. The new covenant. The new covenant is transformation by beholding. Write it down. The new covenant is transformation by beholding, not transformation by doing. Do you get this in your spirit? The new covenant is not transforming by doing something. The new covenant is transforming by seeing something. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. How do you transform by seeing something? But that's how the the gospel is. You have to see the glorified Jesus. The moment you see that, you become like him. I'll take that. Why do we fight that? What's the problem with that? Because it gives you no scope or no value to your efforts and your boasting. You got it? It takes humility to say, I get transformed by seeing Jesus. It takes transform. So let's go back to, this is huge. That's huge because I'm I'm sure you read this verse, but you never understood what Jesus is saying right there. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 19, right? Jesus, I mean, if you look, look at the book of John and if you have a red letter Bible, right? The red letters start from, John chapter 13. He starts by washing their feet. Correct? He starts to speak. He's talking to the church for the real truth. He's not talking in parables. He's not covering it up. He's giving the full-blown power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today we'll understand what the gospel is, right? I mean, this gospel is so misunderstood. I mean, it is like... We talk about glory. We don't know what glory is. We don't know what righteousness is. We don't know what our identity is. It's totally messed and chaotic, right? Let's, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. It's all about Jesus, right? And let's look at it. So he's saying a lot of stuff. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 19. And now he comes to the heart of the issue. He says, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more did you read that okay but you will see me because i live you will live also okay let's read it again john 14 chapter uh, verse 9 uh, 19 a little while longer and the world will see me no more so he's saying how why will the world not see jesus no more because he's going because he's in the world's eyes he died they didn't see him resurrect so he's gone correct so he's natural so there was a natural jesus who walked the streets of israel this is so huge you know there is more evidence for an historical jesus than there is for a historical caesar Mm -hmm. there is more evidence more documented proof Of the historical Jesus than for a historical Caesar. He actually walked the earth. But yet Jesus says, a little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. How? How? Just hold your question. Anthony connects that seeing part to the fact of what? Because I live, you will live also. By how? By seeing. Seeing. So, the world cannot live because they cannot see me. But because you see me, you will live. What kind of life is he talking about? Natural oxygen breathing life or a different life? Supernatural. Supernatural life. Because obviously, Israel naturally continued to breathe oxygen after Jesus died and rose again, but they had no need to see Jesus, but they still continue to breathe and live. So he's obviously not talking about a natural life. He's talking about the supernatural life that you can live right now. He says, you can only do that by seeing me, but you will see me. So so people say, oh, I don't see Jesus. I will see Jesus one day when I die. Hold on. That's not what Jesus is saying out here. He's saying every believer can see Jesus Christ because he is your life how do you live a life without a mirror you need a mirror on a daily basis so you need to be able to see the face of jesus on a daily basis so the question is am i missing it i have not seen jesus a lot of believers will say i've never seen jesus i just read about him through the bible but the bible the bible says jesus says you will see me how do we see him let's look at the next verse verse 20 At that day, he's talking about your day, after resurrection day. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. How will you see him? Because Jesus says, what? I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Jesus Himself is going to be in you. Let me ask you a question. Can you, if somebody lives in your own house and you say, I don't see him, either it can mean only two things. Either you don't want to, you're, you're blind or the person is lying. But what the, the, but Jesus says, I will live in you and therefore you will always see me. So the fact of seeing is the guarantee to every believer. The fact that Jesus lives in you means you can constantly see him. But you have to see him through your spirit, in your spiritual eyes. You have to see him and it, he becomes real to you. You have to see him. Yesterday I was, I was, I was just talking to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, Anil, you have to stop seeing me serious. You have to see me laughing with my hair in the wind, l- enjoying you. You have to see me full of joy and laughter and singing over you. you. That's how I am over you. You have to see me like that because I am that. So you have to see you, Because you have never seen a painting like that, it doesn't make any sense to you. But Jesus is extremely happy with you. Jesus is full of joy over you. He is not he does not even have a hard gaze towards you. He's like he doesn't even look at you and roll his eyes towards you. Even when you mess up, he doesn't do that. He is constantly in love with you. He is constantly excited about you. He's constantly singing over you. And you know guess what? He's his his his, his uh, default demeanor is joy over you. Like with White teeth. (laughs) I mean his default. This is how he thinks. He always is like honor. He's he's always excited about you. See, because you never seen him that way because you never saw him. You are always trying to go after the natural Jesus. But the natural Jesus is not the resurrected Jesus. So you have to see him. The more you see him, that the Bible says the joy of the Lord, what is your strength. If you know your boss is happy with you, you have a chip on the shoulder when you walk outside his chamber. Amen? If you think that the boss who lives 200 miles away is angry with you, and even though nobody knows about it, everybody in the office knows that something is wrong with you. Correct? Because in your mind, he's angry with me. And that's how it is. Remember, the Lord Jesus Christ's face towards you is a face of joy. The Bible says... You have anointed him with the oil of. Now, the father is talking about Jesus. Uh, you have anointed him with the oil of gladness more than all his brethren. So, if, if you ever watched YouTube videos of the dancing Jews, just Google the dancing Jews. You should see the way the Jews celebrate or oh, the way they dance and the way they are happy. Oh, you just love it. I don't care which culture you come from. You can watch those videos and never get bored. I mean, they just dance with joy. They're, and and, and these are whole bunch, stadium full of dancing Jews. And you see that? Especially in Brooklyn, New York, you see those videos. The whole stadium of dancing men in their orthodox garb Singing and joyful, the Lord says, "Why? Because they have realized and they've seen a dancing Yahweh in their spirit." You never see how many Christians can say that their God dance. They're like, "Man, that seems almost like a cult," <laughs> <You know? laughs> because we don't even have a picture. We have the the Buddha face of Jesus, like this. <laughs> Serious, you know. <laughs> It's like, like this, always two hands face. No, he's a dancing Jesus. He's a glorious Jesus. In fact, people who have gone to, who have gone to heaven, correct? I mean, we are seated with him in heaven Place who have had visions of heaven. They say, Jesus is a preacher. He'll come on the stage and he will say, speak loud because he's a preacher. The father is different. Jesus has a personality. The personality is a personality of great excitement, of joy, of love, of yeah, excited. I want to come to get you kind of mode all the time. That no, no wonder the father says, I will never tell you when you should return back to earth. Why? Because he will tell us. He will tell us immediately. <laughs> He says, All that the Father has told me, I have told you. <laughs> so it's like the, the moment he knows when he has to come, he'll immediately tell the church. Because he is a friend. He lives with us. How do you stop a good news? You cannot. He is always like that. So you have to get a picture. That's why you have to see Jesus. And he says, I you can always see me because I live with you. You got this? Okay, L- let's look at the next verse. Verse 20. And he who has my commandments and keeps them. What are the commandments of Jesus? The commandments of Jesus is not the Ten Commandments. So that's another, another default problem that we see in, in, with believers. Whenever they see the word commandments in the Bible, they immediately replace it with right. the Ten Commandments. No. The commandments in the New Covenant are commandments of believing in Jesus. His commandments are like, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you have and I will give it. See, these are not Ten Commandments. These have nothing to do with Ten Commandments. He says, now you are in me. See, the commandments of Jesus is commandments of inness. Say inness. in-ness. <laughs> I don't know whether there's an English word called inness. Is there an English word for inness? Okay, let's talk about the English teacher, Josna. There is no inness word because there, because there is no concept because man cannot be in another man. But not according to the word of God. According to the word of God, you are born in Jesus. You live in Jesus. And our commandments of Jesus are inness commandments. That means you live in me. You have no, you can do nothing apart from me. It's all inness related stuff. Correct? So you just, you. that's why uh, uh, Psalms 91 says, I will, he who dwells in in, me. in, in, that's it. That is not available for any other, you know, before Jesus died. It was only available post resurrection. That Psalms 91 is only available for believers. He who dwells in, The secret place of the Most High God shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Because if you are in Jesus, because he is the secret place, you will abide under the shadow of the Father. Make sense? Correct? Because you are in Jesus and Jesus is under the shadow of the Father. Therefore, because you are in Jesus, you are also under the shadow of the Father. Make sense? Correct. Okay. Then he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress that means you are saying i am in him nobody can touch me see again it's an innisk reality see the innisk reality of a believer is so misunderstood they think it's some super superficial super spiritual i don't understand it therefore because i don't understand it i don't believe it but the truth is you are in jesus for your benefit It is like when Noah was in the ark. Did Noah have a life in the ark? He did. Was his family in the ark? He did. Was his uh, household in the ark? Yes. His flocks in the ark? Yes. Did they walk around in the ark? Yes. So did the waters of the flood touch them? No. Because of what? Because they were smart enough or they were... In the ark. So, what quality of Noah protected him from the waters? Being inside. Being inside. So, did they stumble in the ark? No, No. probably did. Probably did. So, when did when they stumbled? Where did they fall? In the Uh. (laughs) (laughs) ark. You see the power of stumbling in the ark. What is the advantage of stumbling in the, ark? Still in the ark? You're still in the ark. See, that's where the believers get messed up. So they think they are outside the ark and they have to maintain their position by their good works to maintain not being touched by the waters. It has nothing to do with it. So the, the commandments that Noah had to obey to be safe from the waters was what? That's the same commandment that you have as a believer. You don't you, you, don't, you don't have commandments. God didn't tell Noah, you get into the ark, but make sure you don't slap your wife. Or I will throw you out of the ark. No, he didn't say anything. He didn't, no, not He's like, he didn't not not that he was going to slap his wife. No, I'm not saying that, right? Or he was going to beat his... Uh, kids or he's, or he's, I think more importantly his wife would have slapped him <laughs> you know it's like, there's nothing. there was no detailed commandments on how to operate life inside the ark. Nothing. The commandment was get inside the ark and that's the commandment that you and I have that we have already got into it. we have done. We have kept a commandment. So look at verse 20. He who has my commandments and keeps them, Kept them. So when you when do you think Noah kept the commandment? When he was inside. When he was inside. So he's kept the uh, commandment. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him. And manifest myself to him. Manifest myself to him. Manifest means I will show myself to him. Okay? So this is Jesus' word. Jesus says... Once you are born again, I will show myself to you. you are still talking about the face of Jesus Christ. I will show myself to you. Let's look at the next verse. So Judas, is not Judas Iscariot, verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, and he asked the question that every one of us had the same question. His question was this, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? great question great question how is it that jesus can show himself to you but not show himself to the world which is the reality right now good how many of you agree that's a good question? question that's a great question so let's see the answer correct okay let's see the answer john chapter 14 verses 23 okay. so jesus is getting ready to answer so what is the question that judas judas not judas Iscariot is asking he says jesus you said that you will manifest yourself to me that means you will show your face to me correct so how will that happen if, how will you show your face to me but not to the world for example if jesus has to physically appear in Louisville, texas and show his face to me how is that going to happen if only to me and not to everybody who lives in Louisville. That's his question. How do you do that? So obviously, we need to hear what Jesus is saying because it will clear how do we see Jesus. Look at the next question. Jesus answered, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, which we did. We are born again because we kept the word that we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead and that's how we are born again. We kept the word. What will happen? Father. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay. So did Jesus answer the question? How is he going to show his face to us? What? How? When him? Do we want him? No. He will, he will make a home with us. So if you say you cannot see Jesus and Jesus says... What? I mean you. Yeah. Not just I. We. we. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> you, I mean, either you just believe it or you don't believe it. But this it looks like almost impossible. Like That means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will come and live with us. You say, but Anil, this package? I mean, you, ha- you have no idea who you are. You don't even know how glorious your dwelling place is. Because your dwelling place was not made with hands. It was a dwelling place made without hands. You know, when you were born again, God made a oh, huge body for you. It's called the tabernacle, which is worthy of residence of the king but you say but that's but that, I don't look like that who cares what you see but the fact is that Godhead dwells in a tabernacle made without hands and that tabernacle is you so if the temple says that I cannot see God what's the problem Like if it says, if, if my address in Louisville, Texas, this house, if you take a witness of this house and they say, I don't see Anil. What, what, what do you counter that? He's, there. He's inside. The house definitely sees me because I live in the house. So think about it. The Godhead dwells in you. So when you say, I don't see Jesus, it's a lie. You just have to open your eyes to see him. The Godhead dwells in you. The Godhead dwells in you. He lives in you. You have no idea how powerful that truth is. Because the Godhead is holy, you are holy. If the Godhead cannot be touched, you cannot be touched because you are Dwell where God dwells. In fact, it is even better. God dwells in you. God dwells in you. Think how holy you are right now. Think how perfect you are. Think how righteous you are. Think how clean you are. Say clean. Do you think Godhead, the Godhead will dwell in an unclean place? The Godhead will dwell only in a holy place, in a clean place. And do you think He will compromise on His residence because He loves you? He will never. So He'll say, no, "No, no." You know, it's, it's a you know, it, you know. The other day, somewhere we had gone to somebody's house, uh, a friend of ours, and the house was like, man, total mess. Right? <laughs> I mean, total mess everything chaotic but because we love him we did not say anything to him (laughs) you know but do you think that's something that we would we love to go because we were visiting him but if we were living in him in that house do you think we would put up with that no jesus god the son god the father and god the holy spirit is not a visitor He's not checking you out. He's dwelling in your place. You are not an Airbnb residence for 30 days, checking you out. No, he dwells in you. You are completely clean. His dwelling is completely clean. And he said, I have made it without hands. That means you have nothing to do with this dwelling place. Once you know this truth, You can now be bold enough to be separated from all the evil in this world. That's the truth that separates you from the evil in the world. This truth, this knowledge that you are holy, that you are perfect, the Godhead dwells in you, that fact will keep you from all the evil in the world. You'll say, but i suffer the same consequences as a lot of the world suffers that's because this truth is not in you not that it is not the reality but the truth is not in you not the reality you are reality is true like for example you can be paying mortgage on a house that has been paid off can you the checks will not be cashed but it you can keep sending the checks So that's what happens a lot as a believer is we are constantly paying on a property that has completely been redeemed. You're constantly paying a price on a truth, which is your inheritance. Okay, let's go. Let's go to this. This verse. let's go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Verse 14. John chapter 17, verse 14. So he says, I have given them your word. Now, Jesus is talking to the father. He says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Look at the next verse. I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world but that you shall keep them from the evil one. So Jesus' pr- desire is not that you can, you will all die and go and be with Him and, in, and with Him and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit in heaven. That's not His desire. I do not pray that they shall leave earth soon. That's not the plan. But you shall keep them from the evil one. Do you get that? So God, Jesus' plan is that you will be kept from the evil. So is it the desire of God... That you will be kept from the evil one while you are in earth or while you are in heaven? Do you get the truth? John chapter 17 verse 15 is very clear. I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but you shall keep them from the evil one. Yes or no? So is it the desire, the good? What is the perfect will of God for you right now according to this verse? To be kept from the evil one. Kept means what? Means protected. Just like Noah was kept from the waters of the flood of judgment. So this is God's desire. This is Jesus' desire. Okay. Now this is a private conversation that Jesus is having with his Father. So now there is no there. Is, he's not posturing, but he's allowing the disciples to hear this as he's speaking to the Father. Correct. So he says, Father, I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world but you shall keep them from the evil one. Agreed? Good. Look at next verse. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But I thought you were born in the United States, or you were born in India, or you were born one of them. How, how, how is Jesus saying that they are not of the world? Not Correct. Remember, you are born again. You are, now you are not of this world. You are born from God. Remember, you are of the order of Melchizedek. You are not of genealogy. You do not have a natural father. You do not have a natural mother. You do not belong to this earth. They are not of this world. Just as I am not of the world. Jesus was from the father. He did become a man because he became obedient to become a man. But after once you are born again, you are not from this world. Okay. Then look at the next huge words. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I've, you've read this verse. You've glossed over it. And, and you. a lot of the times you, it looks too religious and churchy that people don't meditate on it. But think about it. He's connecting this to verse 15. Verse 15 says, I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but you shall keep them from the evil one. Let me translate it. In the same way, what Jesus meant, I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but you will sanctify them from the evil one. Or hagaismos means uh, you will separate them from the evil one. So he's, the context is the same. He's saying I want them to be separated from the evil one while they are in the world. I want them to be separated from the evil one. Evil one is it a is it a proper noun or a verb? It's a, noun. it's a noun. That means it's a principality. It's a personality. Correct? Yeah. So Jesus' plan is that Father, separate them from Satan and his kingdom. Separate them. How do we do it? Verse 17. Separate them by your truth. Hold on. Suddenly he says, he tells you the key to be separated from Satan. And the key is what? The truth. truth. Now then the question is, what truth is he talking about? We are in Christ. That truth. Sanctify him by your truth. Your word is truth. What word? Let's look at verse 14. John chapter 17, verse 14. What does he say? Jesus says, I have given them your word. Which word? We, let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 is before John chapter 17. How many of you will agree that 16 is before 17? <laughs> okay. Let's read John chapter 16 verses 1 to 16 let's read it very carefully because he's talking about that word that will keep you away from satan and make you invisible and totally separation from satan I, that there's a close i don't even know what word can be he cannot touch you nonstickable cannot cannot touch you what word he said the word will keep them and what is the word let's look at john chapter 16 verse 1 these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Stumble means what? In what way? Correct. That means you will come become prey to Satan. So these things I have spoken to you that you shall be not be made to stumble. They will, put, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, a time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. But these things they do to you because they do not know the father or me. But these things I have told you. That when the time comes you may remember that I told you. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So when Jesus was with the disciples. Did anybody. Any Pharisee. Any Herod. Any Sadducee. Any Roman soldier. Could they touch the disciple? No. No. So now Jesus is going. So suddenly, what is going to happen to that protection? It's gone. Yeah, like, it's still... Because Jesus was with them, correct? Nobody could touch them. But the moment Jesus left, he has left something with them. And what was it? The truth. The, truth. the word. He says, I have given you this word because you will not stumble. So, what is the truth that, he will, that will keep you untouched by Satan? The truth is, let's get ready. Let's get ready. Okay. now, But now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where you are going. And because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Why is Jesus wanting to send the Holy Spirit to you, to uh, to the disciples? You have 24/7 protection. To, he was 24-7 protection. So how does the Holy Spirit give this protection? Which Jesus gave when he was on the earth. Now the Holy Spirit does that job. How does he do it? Get ready. Are you excited? Okay, let's read it. Verse 16. When he will when he has come, that means when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin. Is he talking about you? No, the world. No. So that is that's not how he protects us. Correct? Correct. Let's look at the next verse. And of judgment, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Now this verse. If you just read it by as just that one verse, it doesn't make any sense because it looks like when the Holy Spirit has come, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. It looks like as if he's going to convict you of sin, of righteousness and judgment. How is that a good deal? Like for example, if Satan comes and accuses you and then says, you deserve to be sick, you deserve to be poor, you deserve because you have been disobedient and the Holy Spirit comes and says, yes, Correct. Correct. You have sinned in your life. Or you you need to be judged. How, how is that protection? I, 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 can, I, can I have Jesus back please? Can I have Jesus back? <laughs> because when Jesus was on the earth, I didn't hear that. So, so if you just read this verse, and this verse is preached in the churches, as if that is the role of the Holy Spirit. Correct? But thank God for Jesus. He breaks it down. Let's look at the next verse. John chapter 16 verse 9. Of sin. Because they do not believe in me. Dylan doesn't say you. So who is the Holy Spirit going to convict of sin? The world. The world not you. So will the Holy Spirit convict you of sin? No. no. And this is a truth that people gloss over intentionally under this under the power of satan why because satan knows that sin consciousness is the way and the doorway to bring judgments on a believer and jesus came specifically and died and rose again so that he can remove the requirements of the accusation against you And make you completely and perfectly whole forever. And Hebrews talks about it. I don't even have time today to go into it. But it says, if the law, under the law, there was a sin consciousness constantly. But under the new covenant in Christ Jesus, Jesus has put away sin consciousness forever. And what consciousness is he brought for the first time? righteousness consciousness now he's getting ready for the truth what is the what does the holy spirit say i of righteousness because i go to my father and you see me no more so for look at how jesus saying the holy spirit is going to convict you say convict he's going to convict me of righteousness that means what is he going to tell you you're righteous. Why is he say convict? Because when you don't feel like. He's going to tell no. You are righteous. Why is he going to do that? Because Jesus, is not because Jesus is not here. Because when Jesus was here, what was he doing? He was doing the same. He was doing the same thing. In fact, Jesus did such a good job of convicting the disciples of. Righteousness. That when a Samaritan village did not receive Jesus, James and John said, "Let's bring fire down from heaven and smoke them out." (laughs) That's a that's the dialogue of a righteous man. (laughs) Only a righteous man will say, "Let's burn them up because they are evil." Look at you. You know, Jesus has not even died. He's not even rose again. They are not even born again. But they are so confident that the Samaritans need to be killed. Yeah. Why? Sons of thunder. What was that? Sons of thunder. They, they were called, in fact, they had a nickname called Sons of Thunder. I mean, they are like constantly destroying people. You know, you don't accept Jesus. Kill them all, Jesus. Kill them all. <laughs> This is a group that knew that they were perfect. I mean, they are walking with God. They are walking with God. Now, if you are a robber, do you spend your time with the cops? (laughs) If you are a robber, will you spend time with the cops? No. You're like on the other side of town, right? (laughs) But the disciples were eating and drinking and partying with Jesus. Why? Why were they so happy? Why were they, In fact, the, the Pharisees had a specific complaint about the disciples. This is what they said. In fact, John's disciples also had a complaint against the disciples of Jesus. They both came to Jesus one day. The disciples of John and the disciples of Pharisees. And says, we fast, we pray we do all these things and your bunch are always partying around I mean, because Jesus was a party guy Jesus was always happy because he had removed their sins away from them and and convicted them of the righteousness of that his righteousness upon them and so he's like relax guys chill and out of this work came great acts of victory the disciples did great works because who was righteous? Jesus was righteous and Jesus was giving them their righteousness on, on credit while he was not yet died and risen again. They were, they were flashing that Amex black card all around town. You know, it's like unlimited. No, no limits on payment. Everywhere they were cashing it out. You know, cashing it out. And that Jesus said, one day they came back and says, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. <laughs> they were like, Satan and his kingdom are subject to unregenerated disciples. Because they were on credit. That righteousness was on credit. And Satan, and Jesus said, this is one of the few occasions in the Bible, in the gospel, which says, And Jesus rejoiced in his spirit. Why? Why did he rejoice? They were cashing his car. He was like, man, they believe that I have unlimited supply of righteousness that they can tap into. They are so confident on who they are in, Christ, in me that they are casting out demons like I cast out demons. I cast out demons by the authority of the Holy Spirit. And my righteousness is perfect. But they are casting out not because of their righteousness. They are using it in my righteousness. In my name they are doing it. And I'm so glad. And then he makes a statement that people gloss over. He says eyes have s- wanting to see what you see and I'm not seen, For God has hidden this from the wise and the prudent and revealed this to babes. Revealed what to babes? That he's going to the Father. They are righteous. They are righteous. You see, David did not receive this righteousness. The prophet Daniel did not receive this righteousness. Uh, Elijah did not receive this righteousness. Moses did not receive this righteousness. In fact, nobody got this righteousness, even though they did greater works of faith in the Old Covenant. But the fishermen from Galilee, some of the worst towns in Israel, a bunch God revealed this righteousness of Jesus to them. And Jesus says, it is not even from the prudent. Guys who are prudent means guys who value revelation. Daniel valued revelation. In fact, God told Jesus, appeared to Daniel and said, Daniel, seal the words, close the books, not revealed for you right now. But you shall rest and rise up for your inheritance at the end of time. He said, I will not tell you when this is going to happen and how it's going to happen. Seal the words. Who was the wise and prudent? Daniel. He never got it. Uh, uh, David, when he had committed adultery and killed and murdered. He said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord Will not impute sin. Oh my goodness. He says. Is there a generation. That God will not impute sin. Is there a generation. That God will declare righteous. Irrespective of what they do. Oh my goodness. What a time to be alive. In that generation. Lord. Can you show me that day. God said. Daniel. Sleep. (laughs) Sleep. Rise up. At the end of time. And your inheritance. Do you know that this is scriptural? That God would not allow them to see this truth? Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews. I think Hebrews chapter. chapter Chapter 11. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. You know the Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith walk. Faith chapter, right? Now, let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 and 40. Okay, let's look at uh, 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 verse 32 onwards. I'm going to read this. Can everybody get that verse? Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you what you have, what they didn't have. Verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 onwards. And what shall I say more? For what time, time will fail me to tell of... He says, I don't have enough time to tell you what about Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, also of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. He's talking about how they had victory over their enemies. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, Out of weakness was made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead. Raised from life again. Under the old covenant. Others were persecuted. Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes and of chains. And imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about with sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted, torment. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains. In dens and caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good testimony. They just received a good testimony. Through faith. They said good. You did a good job. Did not receive the promise. They did not receive the promise. Why? Look at, verse, look at verse 40. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect. Same, made perfect. They would not be made perfect apart from us. You cannot become perfect apart from that generation that Jesus resurrects. So, brothers and sisters, the truth that Jesus said will separate you from Satan is the truth of perfection. If the, under the old covenant... They received a good testimony by faith, looking forward to the day when they will be perfect and righteous forever. They received that by faith. How much more when you have received that reality, that truth, and God the Father and the Son have sent the Holy Spirit to convict you of that truth? The truth is that you are righteous and perfect forever and this truth will keep you from the evil one this truth will keep you from the evil one let's look at the next verse in john chapter 16 verse 11 and the holy spirit will convict the ruler of this world of judgment verse 16 verse 11 of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So let's look at the what is the Holy Spirit doing. First he convicts the world of sin. Then second he convicts you the believer of what? Righteousness. Of righteousness. Righteousness not of sin. Of righteousness. And then he convicts who? Of judgment. The ruler of the world, he judges him. So, so what does the world, what does religious Christianity teach you? You are convicted of sin, you are convicted of righteousness. You are convicted of judgment. Correct. You are judged, you are convicted of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Your righteousness. It's your righteousness. He'll convict you of your righteousness and he will convict you of your sin. You see the difference? See how how deceptive that is? Because who is being judged in these three verses? Who is being judged? The world, the devil. No, only the devil. Only the devil, you notice that the Holy Spirit does not even judge the world. He's judging Satan because the ruler of the world is judged. Because for the first time, God was able to judge Satan without judging his people. See, because what happened was God always wanted to destroy Satan. But you were held hostage by him. So when you have to destroy the one who is holding you hostage, you don't bomb his house. Do you get the uh, problem? Like if you want to rescue your child who has been kidnapped by somebody, do you destroy the guy? No. What do you, what do, you do first? Get the child. You get the child out. So that's what Jesus did. He rescued you out first. Now He can judge Satan. Because how was Satan keeping you under control and under judgment? How did he keep you? Under captivity. By convicting us of sin and by judging us according to the law of God. So God had to take care of that problem first. So the way he took care of that problem was that he bore the punishment of sin. So he took care of John chapter 16 verse 9. Then... He took care of the righteousness issue by how? By giving his righteousness as a gift to you. Say, I receive receive righteousness righteousness as an inheritance, inheritance. not not as wages. You know why God wanted you to be born again and not to be renewed correct God always had a plan that if I can get you my righteousness as an inheritance you can never what lose it it. because if you cannot gain it you cannot Lose lose it so how will somebody who has an inheritance ever loses inheritance dying but what if that man or woman never dies you will never lose it. Never. that is why you are of the order of <laughs> for you are of, of endless days you will never die now you have an inheritance that you can never lose and what inheritance is that the inheritance of everlasting righteousness hallelujah hallelujah everlasting righteousness is your inheritance so let's go back to john chapter 17 verses 17 sanctify them separate them by your truth your word is truth what word that the fact, say the word, the word is, the truth of God, is the truth of God. The truth that the spirit of truth, truth, spirit of spirit of truth has, come me, has come to convict me. And he will convict me mm-hmm. of, this of this truth. Then the truth is the truth that I am righteous and, righteous. and perfect, and perfect. Forever. forever hallelujah hallelujah that's the truth and that's the truth that is why you need a mirror in the morning because 24 hours makes you, convince you convinces you that you are suddenly less perfect and less righteous so what do you do get the mirror out and look at Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you look good. And guess what? You look just like me. So again, you have a realization. So this is huge. This is huge. How many of you know that you are, you are perfect forever? You need to know that. And I'm going to show you verses from the Bible which says that you are perfect forever. Then what are in the but there is a verse in the Bible where Paul says, Not that I am uh, perfect, but I am being perfected. Have you read that verse? Let's go to Philippians chapter because I know that that, that thought comes into you. Let's go to Philippians chapter, let's chapter Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. See, so he, he's saying. Man, if there's anything that I need to boast, I need to boast about my works and about my righteousness, but I'm not going to do that. Can you read this verse? Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for which I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So he says, I consider all my works as rubbish. For what? That I may Christ. No, look at that exact verse at the first part. That I may be found in him. No, look at the verse. Verse the 8. Re- yeah, let's, let's read that very carefully. Yet indeed I count all things lost. For what? For the excellence let's read that very slowly. For the excellence, excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. So repeat after me. <laughs> Excellence, excellence of the knowledge of, the knowledge. of Christ, Jesus. Christ Jesus. So, how much knowledge of Christ Jesus do you have? Excellence. No, how much do you have? Is it perfect knowledge? No. We are growing, we are constantly growing, like this life team is about suddenly you realize how beautiful Christ Jesus is. So this knowledge is increasing or decreasing? Increasing. increasing. So the, how do you increase this knowledge of the excellence of, how do you in, increase this excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus? By counting more and more things, what? Rubbish rubbish so you constantly say man i'm not going to depend on my works i'm not going to depend on my efforts i'm not going to depend on my wisdom i'm going to constantly keep throwing more stuff into the garbage bin not the recycle bin (laughs) you have to have a garbage bin the works that you constantly throw into it because you are trying to get what in exchange for that Knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Gain Christ, gain what you already have Christ, gain the knowledge of Christ. You got it? Let's look at the next verse and be found. Look at the word the more you have a revelation of in Him, not having what my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Okay, let's look at next uh, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So, what perfection is Paul talking about? He says, "I'm not already attained that. Attained what? The knowledge. The knowledge. He is already perfect, but he has not attained the knowledge that you is perfect. See, that's what is problem. That's what is lacking with almost all the church and you and me, correct?" We have a knowledge that we are perfect in Christ Jesus, that we are righteous in Christ Jesus, but we are not fully perfect in that knowledge. When will you be perfect in that knowledge? When you, see him face to face. when you see him face to face. Because the mirror that you see in your spirit right now, you will see him face to face one day. And the moment you see him face to face, the first revelation that you will have Of Jesus is what? Oh, how perfect I am in Him! Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm perfect. I am in Him. In Him, Mm -hmm. you will gain Christ. The knowledge of so say I am. I am not yet perfect in my knowledge. I am increasing every day. You're increasing every day. You're increasing every day. But you are perfect forever right now okay so go back to john chapter 17 and we'll we'll bring it to a close pretty fast because we have not even started the message so 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 we'll have to break it down into other sessions but i'm not going to take the whole thing to uh, today let's go to john chapter 17 verse 17 separate them by your truth your word is truth as you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I separate myself or sanctify myself. You know, sanctification is such an abused word in Christianity. When, when you hear sanctification, what do you, what do you understand? Walk in holiness, okay? Walk in holiness, okay? <laughs> Be clean, okay? Don't mess around with girls, okay? don't you know that's what he, that is it has nothing to do with the context out here separation is so jesus says i separate myself that means i don't watch porn because because is that what he's saying Yeah. no he's not saying that he's saying i separate myself how did jesus separate himself no how did he separate myself how did jesus separate himself from satan being in relationship with God. No. How did Jesus separate himself from Satan? He's seated, the... He's seated at the right hand. He physically separated. In fact, he's on a very high mountain that he, no Satan cannot pass because he has been thrown down on the earth. So, he left. That is why Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I physically go away. He's not talking about spiritually separating because I just read you the verse which said that I will come and live with you. Yes or no? Yes. Correct? So, he, then when he said, it is for your advantage that I go away, what does that mean? He physically separated. So, is he with you right now? Yes. But is he separated from you? Yes. yes. He separated spiritually or physically? Physical. Correct. So he is only separated physically. But not spiritually because he lives in you. Correct? And you are seated with him in heavenly places. In fact, you are seated with Jesus in the heavenlies. Your physical body is on the earth. But you are seated with him in the spirit in heaven. Now, but Jesus said it is for your sake. Look at the verse again. Verse 8, 19. For their sake, I separate myself. That they also may be separated by what? Physical or by the word? word. By the word, by the truth. See, we are separated. So now, does Satan have authority over Jesus? In the same way, Satan has no authority over us by what? Satan has no authority over Jesus because of spirit, uh, physical separation. He has no access into that realm. He's on a very high mountain, far above every principality power. Far above is the word that God has attributed to Jesus. He says, I have exalted him far above. You've seen the word far above? Very high. In fact, he says, he dwells in the secret place of the places. In the most high God. You got it? The high is very important if you want to be protected from Satan in the world. High. High mountain. High holy mountain. Very, very important. Satan does not have that access in that high place. And you and I are in that high place. How? Because of the truth. That the fact that you know this. Alkesh. You know this. That you are seated with Jesus, in Jesus, in a very high place. And you are perfect and righteous forever. That truth will keep you from Satan. That will keep you from disease and sickness. That will keep you from poverty. That will keep you from every truth. Because this truth is what Satan doesn't want you to know. Because he has only access... Because of you not having knowledge of the excellence of Christ. And this truth is what keeps us that we constantly get collateral damage while you're in the earth. That we suffer the same consequences like the world suffers. So you look at Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. You see yourself in him you see that you're perfect forever that his righteousness cannot be abolished in you when you know that how perfect you are you will not you don't you you become uh, impenetrable or not untouched without uh, reproach from satan and his kingdom okay let's read the next verse Verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but I also for those who believe in me through their word. So Jesus is just getting ready to pray for you and me. Verse 21. That they all all may be one as you, Father, are in me. Do you see the word? Mm -hmm. See, this is the truth. You, you, You heard a lot saying that Uh, um, uh, jesus and the father are one you heard that word right and you always thought that jesus and the father are one in the sense that they are both the same no jesus defines oneness in this verse very specifically see the biblical understanding of oneness is not sameness say repeat after me oneness is not not sameness that's not so he the oneness that jesus is talking about so he's not saying that you have lost your identity because you are in me no you are still you but you are in me and therefore you are i and you are one so do you know jesus talks about you and me as being one in each other so, oneness. So they, he's, he says the same benefit that Jesus has with the Father. Look at verse 21. That they all may be one as, that means just like, you, Father, are in me and I in you. So, Jesus is also in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. You got it? Say location. So, there is a message that we had done in the live team sometime back called, location 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 got it so if you get a chance you can listen to that but it's location that gives you your righteousness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the fact that you are in jesus that they may be one in us see us that the world may believe that you sent me verse 22 now get ready for righteousness and the glory which you gave me i have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Why is it important that Jesus gives his glory to us? So we can be one with like Correct. So he cannot live in us, and we cannot live in him if we are not like him. You got it? Like, for example, if, if you are unclean, then he's unclean. God the clean cannot live in you the unclean. You got it? Mm -hmm. Correct. So Jesus the righteous cannot live in Manohar the unrighteous. Unless Manohar also becomes righteous. So the glory that Jesus is talking about is essential for oneness. It's essential for this truth to work. The truth is that you are in Christ. Jesus Christ is in you. Correct? But for the truth to work, you have to be exactly and perfectly righteous like Jesus is righteous. And Jesus says, you don't have to work for it. I will give it to you. Look at the word. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That means you don't earn it. I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one so the glory is the righteousness of jesus christ you remember jesus at one point he said in matthew chapter 5 i think uh, matthew chapter 5 or one of those uh, chapters where he talks about the sermon on the mount and he talks about take no thought concerning what you shall eat or drink seek ye first the kingdom of god and say his righteousness lot of translations. Oh my goodness, you should see the translations of that verse. They just drop the word His. And they preach it as if you need to seek the kingdom of God and you need to be righteous. Then only all the benefits of the kingdom will come to you. How is that any benefit? So you say, seek His righteousness. That means you receive His glory as a gift jesus says don't worry the gentiles seek after big houses uh, a lot of money uh, good health perfect lifestyle don't worry it'll all be given to you you don't worry about it you just seek my life my uh, kingdom and my righteousness you see what because get me a question: how rich is god and his kingdom incredibly rich incredible say very rich when God says the glory of his temple latter temple is greater than the former do you read that verse in Haggai where God prophesies that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the former Mm -hmm. did you know the former temple in Jerusalem was very glorious say glorious Glorious. how glorious how but how? <laughs> because of the gold. Because of the gold. In fact, the temple was dripping with gold. Everywhere gold. The most holy was filled with gold. There were gold on the walls. There were precious stones. It was a rich fabric everywhere. It was it there was hardly any silver in that. It was like Teeming with gold. And it says. But he says the glory of the latter temple. Will be more glorious than the former. What is the latter temple? We are the the latter temple. I just told you from John chapter 14. That Jesus and the Godhead dwells in you right now. In a temple made without hands. So you are the latter temple. So God says. The glory that you have. Will be greater than the former glory in the first temple. Okay, so when God talks about glory, is He talking only spiritual glory or also physical glory? glory. How do you know that? Because He immediately says, Gold is mine, silver is mine. I know Sushil knows his verse, Bible. He says, In Haggai, when he says the glory of the former latter temple will be greater than the former, he says silver is mine and gold is mine. He he doesn't want any confusion that you will super spiritualize that glory. You'll say, oh, glory of the latter first temple was physical. But the glory of the latter temple is totally spiritual. Brothers and sisters, the glory of the latter temple is both spiritual and both physical. So when Jesus says how rich, so when he when so when Jesus gave John a revelation on how glorious he is, in Revelation chapter one, the introduction of the church in Revelation chapter one is as what? (laughs) Just throw it out there. (laughs) No, No, somebody can go to Revelation chapter one and find out and tell me. How is the church introduced in Revelation chapter 1? Golden Golden lampstand. See the introduction. So when John sees Jesus, he's seeing the real resurrected Jesus. When John sees the church, he's seeing the real church. And Jesus is introducing the church as what? Golden Golden lampstand. Wow of all the imagery he can choose he chose what for the church gold and what light that there is gold with them and there is light with them and he walks in the midst of the lampstands how because he is the center center lamp he is the menorah he is the center He is also the same material as you, Anaya. He is the center lamp which gives the light to all the other lampstands. And he is in light and you are in light. Because all the lamps face the center lamp. So we look at him and we become like he is. He is perfect. You are perfect. He is clothed in gold. You are clothed in gold. He is full of light. Therefore, you are full of light. So, the glory is both physical and spiritual. Yes or no? Yes. So, the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one. That means, let's put it in very contemporary language. Jesus says, Father, make them billionaires. Just like you and I are billionaires, multi-multi-billionaires, so that they can be one with us. me. <laughs> like, because I, I, they cannot be poor and we are rich. You know, In during the time of Obama, where, Obama lived in a White House, correct, President Obama. But one of his half-brothers lived in a hut in Kenya. I mean, you, you know that story? It is actually true. So... That's because he's a, he, because, you know, the U.S. presidency does not have power for him to just throw money to his brothers. It's not a monarchy, right? Just because he's a president, the half-brother should also be a president. But not in the kingdom. If you live with the king and you're the king's son, you better be as, as wealthy and as perfect as the king. Hallelujah. So the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one as we are one. So let's look at this glory part of it. Jesus says, uh, when he talks about glory, he says, then uh, coming back to Matthew chapter 5, where is that verse about uh, uh, do not take thought? Is it Matthew chapter 5? Somebody can find that out Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter six okay. Matthew chapter 6. Okay, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, it says, uh, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, or not about, uh, and uh, uh, is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is he talking spiritual or physical? Physical. Okay, and then he says, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of much much more value than they? Physical or spiritual? Physical. Okay. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Physical or spiritual? Physical. Okay. I didn't. I didn't hear a, a unanimous physical out here. Nobody has a problem with height. I mean, I, I mean, I can. I can do with some more height. Alkesh, what, do you, what about you? That is exactly what I said, brother. I have be been worried. <laughs> <Six feet. laughs> I can do with some more height. I, I can take six foot two. I'll take that. But I, I cannot worry about it because Jesus said, "Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature?" Physical, spiritual. Physical. Physical. Okay. I think I see a lot of contentment with people in this life. <laughs> which is which is good. I don't. There is no problem. There is no counseling needed with that respect, at least. Okay. <laughs> like when it comes to uh, food, they were like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> See, the, uh, uh, and Tarun is the only bachelor in this whole gang, so he doesn't care. He's got a good height. You know? <laughs> okay, so look. let's look at the next verse 28. So, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how do they grow and they neither toil nor spin. Say no spin zone. No spin zone. Correct. The lilies live in a no spin zone, the lilies live. In a no toil zone. And Jesus says. How they grow. How they soil. uh, How they spin. And yet. Get ready. Jesus definition of glory. Verse 29. And yet I say to you. That even Solomon. In all his glory. Was not. Arrayed. Or clothed. Like one of these. Physical or spiritual? Solomon was not clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But he was definitely clothed with a lot of gold and with fine attire. And Jesus says, he calls that glory. Jesus says, Solomon in all his glory did not look so good like one of these lilies. When Jesus says in John chapter 17 verse 22, the the glory I have given, you have given me, I have given them. Jesus is also saying that you will also look good. Much more how I look good. Both spiritually and physically. And let's look at the next verse. Huge verse. Huge. Huge. This should completely rock bad theology. Verse 17, verse 23. I go back. He's coming back to the core truth. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. Hallelujah. So why are you perfect? Why are you perfect? Because you are in him and he is in you. Hallelujah. This is perfection. This is the truth that Jesus wants you to know. That Satan doesn't want you to know. Let's look at the next verse. In fact, he says this perfection is so unmistakable. That the world may know that you have sent me. How will the world know that you are perfect? And this perfection can never come because of them. It has come because someone lives in them. How will they know? In fact, you remember in the old covenant, once the ark of uh, God was carried away by the Philistines. And then the Philistines tried to take it into their temple and their God fell down on his face before the ark, Dagon, correct? So they b- straightened him up. The next day again he fell and completely got destroyed because nobody can survive the glory in front of the ark of God because that is Jesus. The ark of God is, is a type of Jesus Christ. Ark is made of wood, clothed with gold, which is because Jesus God became wood because God became man and covered with gold because he had his righteousness of, uh, uh, that came from God. So he is the Ark. So that was a type. So, so finally they brought the Ark. They didn't want to take it anywhere. Nobody wanted to take the Ark. Because the Israelites were afraid of the Ark. Because they are like when anybody who touches it dies. So finally they brought it into a house of somebody. Who is Uriah? Uzi, Uzi, U, 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 Obedidam. Obedidam house. And Obedidam house had the Ark in it. Guess what happened to Obedidam? He became extremely rich. Spiritually or physically? What happened? The glory of the ark infected Obadiah's house. And that's an ark of wooden furniture. How much more when the Lord Jesus himself dwells in you? In fact, all of Israel knew what happened to Obedidom and they knew what, what, what did they know? Come on, guys, what did they know? That he was prosperous. Even the king heard it. Correct. What did they know? Ark. the ark is in his house. The ark is in his house and Obedidom has become prosperous. This is exactly what Jesus is saying in 17, verse 23. All the world will know that I live in them. Now, let me tell you a question. How will the world know that Jesus lives in us? Spiritually or physically? <laughs> <laughs> the world has no clue about spirit. So, when they see that you are walking in divine health, they see that viruses cannot touch you. They see that viruses attack you, but you are healed. They see that you are supernaturally prosperous. That they see, They will hunt out. The God in you. They will say, come and lay your hands on me. In fact, the, the report of this word of truth, the word of righteousness in the early church went so much. In Acts chapter 5, if I'm th- mis- not mistaken, he said after Ananias and Sapphira died, they were not even Christians. They were, um, belie- they were people who were masquerading as believers trying to join into the club this new club that was in jerusalem because they wanted to benefit from this supernatural power in this church and the holy spirit killed them Mm -hmm. why why because they are unclean in a most holy place you see the same uncleanness that kept you from the holy place now the same judgments protects you from the world See, now Satan cannot enter the most holy place. And that's you. In fact, the Bible says, go back quickly, quickly, quickly. Acts chapter 4. I want to show you how supernatural it is. And if we are entering a time in the church, when the church is going to be esteemed very highly. Very highly. Why? Because they are going to be afraid of the church. Acts chapter Uh, Acts chapter 5 verse 10 he's talking about Sapphira then immediately she fell down at her at his feet and breathed her last and the young man came in and found her dead and carried her away and, and buried her by her husband mm-hmm. why, why did Ananas and Sapphira die because they did not have access into the most holy place. They are pretending to be righteous when they are not. They died. You cannot. You cannot. See, if they, have, if they had not said they are righteous and beca- part of the church, they would have no problems. Because the, Bible, the Holy Spirit will convict them of sin and show them Jesus. Correct? But what did they do? They are pretending to be righteous when they are not. And the Holy Spirit said, no, this is holy place. Remember, the church is a place of sanctification. Means what? Separation. No unclean thing can enter this place. Unclean in what sense? In values or in uh, nature. Nature. Nature, Intrinsic nature. You are born from above. Guess what happened? Verse 11. Can somebody read that? Upon all who heard these things. Great fear came upon all the church. Why? Suddenly the church realized this is serious business. We are as powerful as Jesus is. We are in the holy place. While we are protected, nobody can join this place unless they are born again. They, nobody can mess with you and me. We are in this high place. Look at the next verse. And verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the church, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That is, see, Solomon's porch. Where was the church? Solomon's porch. Why? It's a picture of fulfillment of prophecy that the glory. Of the latter house. Will be greater than the former. The former temple was made by whom? Solomon. Solomon. And God is getting ready to display the glory of the church. In the very place that Solomon built the porch. He says look at this glory. Look at this power. What are happening? Signs and wonders were popping up. Like popcorn in this place. Why? Because righteousness abides there. Jesus abides there. And guess what? Look at verse 13. Can somebody read that? Yet none of the rest uh, dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. See, even though there were such miracles happening, nobody dared join them. Who? The church or the world? The world. The world. So, what did the world do? Next verse. Next 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. You see the word, they were not added to the church, they were added to the Lord. Why? Where is the church? In the Lord. In the Lord. You certainly see the revelation of inness that shows up. They were not added to Solomon's porch, They were not added to the church in Jerusalem. They were all added to what? To the Lord. They are in Jesus. They are in Jesus. And guess what? And they brought the sick into the street. That means these unbelievers brought the sick into the street and laid them on the beds and and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. You see, this is what Jesus is saying that the world will know that I live in them, and they will bring their sick. They will bring, they will know that there is power here, they will know that there is glory here. This is the glory the glory that heals, that glory that prospers, that that glory that imputes righteousness. And verse 24. Father. John chapter 17 verse 24. Father I desire that they. Also whom you gave me. May be with me. Where I am. That they may behold my glory. Which you have given me. For you loved me. Before the foundation of the world. The reason. For the place. Is the. Face. Let me repeat. The reason Jesus wants you and me to be in the place where he is, is why? That you can see the face of Jesus and see his glory. The reason for the place is the face of Jesus Christ. So are you in the place where Jesus asked the Father to give in verse 24? He's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about the physical heaven. He's talking about the place that you are in Christ Jesus. He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. So where are you right now? In Jesus, you're seated with him in heavenly places, far above every principality and power. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, 12, right? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, let's go there. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 okay Uh, but you have come to mount zion and the city of the living you say you have come or are you going to go you have come so you but you have come to mount zion and to the city of the living god look at all the description of your place you have come to mount zion number one to the city of the living god that's where god lives the heavenly Jerusalem, that's the name of the place. To a place where there is an innumerable company of angels. That means angels are always around you. Look, to the general assembly. It's called a general assembly because you are not alone there. Each one of you are in that place. It's called the general assembly. To the church of the firstborn. <laughs> we are all, We are called, you know, we have, our church has a name. You call the Church of the Firstborn, and who is the firstborn? Jesus. Jesus. So, first, the the name means what? First of the firstborn means there are also other people born after him, and the other people. That means you are the secondborn, thirdborn, fourthborn. So you are all born just like Jesus was born. So you are. He was the firstborn, and you are born after him. Church of the firstborn. Then, ne- next classification. Registered in heaven. So, you have a registration. I know people are praying for green cards and H-1B visas and all that. <laughs> Guys, you all are registered. Amen. In heaven. If you are registered in heaven, what, who cares what's out here? Because everything belongs to you. Correct? Say, registered in heaven. Registered in heaven. Correct. Okay. To God. You have come to God. The judge of all. So will you go to the judge of all. In fear or fearlessness. Because now you have his righteousness. You have no fear. In fact that was the prophecy that came to Zechariah. uh, John's uh, father. He says that we having been delivered from our enemies. Will serve God. Number one. Without fear. In holiness and righteousness all the days of our life look at the qualities we are like stuck at the cross Zechariah is saying look at what's happening God is getting ready to not only deliver you out of death but he is going to allow you to privilege you to serve God without fear in holiness that means separated from evil one and in righteousness that means never unrighteous How long? All the days of our life. And this is what he says. To God, the judge of all. And look at the verse. To the spirits of just men, going to be made perfect, being made perfect, or made perfect. So whose spirits are these talking about? Spirits of just men made perfect. Us. Us. Us believers. So your spirit is made perfect. You were made perfect. See, there was no scope to improve. So it's not like you are growing in perfection. So I'm going to close with this uh, saying. Your perfection is not a work in progress. It's an accomplished reality. If you if you want to write write it, if you want to write it down, write it down. Your perfection is not now. This, if you can write it down and internalize it. Internalize it. If the, this is the truth. This is the truth. Just write it down. And I will give you a lot of verses in the coming days and give you scripture and backing you up on line upon line. But write it down. Your perfection is not a work in progress it's an accomplished reality right so this is what you have come to you have come to not spirits that are being made perfect or work in progress we will get there someday why because that that is not the truth it sounds good it sounds humble it sounds as if there is some level of, you know, value to it. It has no value because this was precisely the point of the law. In the law, you are constantly trying to be perfect, trying to be perfect, trying to be perfect. But in Christ Jesus, you are made perfect. And it closes with this. Oh my goodness, verse twenty-four, and you have come. He doesn't stop. Look at how many things you have come to. I think I I once I counted there was like, can somebody count on the side and tell me how many things you have come to? Don't read it out, but just tell me the number. <laughs> I think there are like nine or twelve things that you have come to. Uh, verse twenty-four to Jesus. You have come to Jesus, the mediator. Of the new covenant. Say you have come to a new covenant. Don't preach the old covenant. That old covenant is against you. I am always so wary. I am always so. Cautious. Cautious. I am always so. Bothered. I am always so. Pained. When people preach. The law. Because I know what it can do. It can, it, it brings death. I, I'm telling you. And you as believers need to be very aware of it. The, the I don't know how to say this. The ministers, Satan himself transform, transforms himself into an angel of light. And his servants As ministers of righteousness. Think how he attacks you. He sends preaching. Of righteousness. To kill you. He comes. Exalting the law. To preach righteousness according to the law. Because those are his weapons. To kill you. The more you meditate on the law the more you attract sickness and disease and all the evil in this world because that's his armor. And that's the armor that Jesus died to take from Satan. In fact, Jesus said, how can a stronger than him come unless he takes the armor in whom he has trusted? Jesus is talking about the law. He came and took Satan's armor you know when David killed Goliath the one thing that he displayed to all of Israel was the head of Goliath but the armor of Goliath he hid it in his tent why because it's a picture of Jesus who killed Satan he said display the defeat the headless corpse of Satan but don't display his armor because I don't want any preaching on his armor because this armor is an accusation against my church. And I came to clean them and make them wash and make them perfect. That no accusation can stand against my church. I know this is, I'm, I'm zealous out of it. Because Satan will trap ministers to preach the law. But it uses that to condemn and bring death. The law is unprofitable. According to Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 12. A lot of verses in 1 Corinthians, in Galatians. Read it. I'm going to show you a lot of verses. The armor that Satan has is the law. And Jesus came to remove that law out of it. So when you hear preaching of the law, flip it and say, Hey, this is working for me. How is it working for me? It's already accomplished. No? Yeah, it is... No, the law is accomplished. It is put away for you because you are righteous. But when somebody preaches the law, you flip it. How? I have fulfilled the law. Okay. Now you should say, Satan is judged by the law. Now you say, the stone that was against you is the stone that protects you from corruption. Look, think about it. Jesus having died, was protected from the Romans and the Roman Empire, from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees, from Herod, by, by what? By the law. No. Yeah, by the law. How? He met the righteous requirements of the law. No, think about what I asked. Jesus, after die, after he died, his physical body was protected from the great Roman Empire was protected from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was protected from Pilate. It was protected from all the soldiers. How was Jesus' body protected from all of them? By what? By, the Roman by, by a stone that was sealed. The law that was against you is the law that protects the church of Jesus Christ from judgments. The body of Jesus Christ is the church of Jesus Christ. It's a type. So that is why the ch- body of Jesus Christ never suffered corruption in when he, after he died. Because it's a type of the church. We will not suffer corruption while we are in the earth. And while we are in the earth, what will keep us from the enemy? The law. And what will the law say to the enemy? That we are righteous. We are righteous. And you cannot accuse the righteous. righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You cannot accuse the righteous. Satan cannot enter the most holy place. Satan cannot enter the most holy place. Let's look at this verse. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24. Bobby, you want to read that? and he, he says and finally says you come to jesus the mediator of the new covenant we come to jesus we have come to the new covenant hey by the way how many any, anybody counted how many comes to two we have how many belief, huh? ten. 10 okay ten. okay i think there are more okay uh, to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel, so the blood of Abel was constantly crying out for judgment against his brother. Correct. Yes. The blood of Jesus is crying out for what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Or for his brother, and who is his brother? We are. Us. Us. So, Jesus' blood is crying out constantly on the earth. You know, Jesus' physical, oh my goodness, this is huge. You know, Jesus resurrected, but his physical blood is on the earth. Is still there on the earth. He, remember, after he died and finished paying the price, a Roman soldier came and pierced his side. Mm-hmm. And what came out? why because that 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 was a sign of somebody being born remember when a baby is given birth what happens blood and water, blood and water comes out correct what was born the church. The, church. the church when the church was born who witnessed god wanted a witness test attesting to the, the birth of the church and what was the witness? the blood and the water because how do you know that something is born you'll say but i uh, nothing is born because i can't see the church jesus says the church is really born that church was born that time when the church was born there is an evidence that testifies that the church was born and what was the evidence the blood the water that came down and the blood that came down and what is that blood testifying that this church is perfect And blameless. And without reproach. Do you know that John talks about the blood and the water being on the earth. And testifying about your righteousness in 1 John. There are 3 that bear witness in heaven. And there are 3 that bear witness on earth. Concerning what? Concerning what? Not about Jesus. There are 3 that bear witness in heaven. And 3 that bear witness on earth. Concerning what? Concerning the truth that you are righteous, and what are the three on the earth that bear witness? The water, the water, and the spirit. The water, the blood, and the spirit. Look at the blood that here is here testifying about your righteousness. The water testifying about your righteousness, and the spirit. Because the spirit is in heaven and the spirit is also on the earth. But it's also your human spirit that cries out Abba Father that testifying about your righteousness. And then how does he close? In verse 25. See that you do not, that you do not refuse him who speaks. That means don't, don't believe. Don't, don't not, do not not believe what the blood is telling. And what is the blood telling? The blood is telling That you are righteous. And there is so much stuff to preach. But I'm going to close here. You you are in a forever state right now. You are in a forever state. A forever state is a state. And I will close with this. Let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 1. The forever state. Forever state. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. And I'm going to read uh, Revelation chapter 21 verses 22 onwards and i saw no temple in it he's talking about the church for the lord god almighty and the lamp are his temple the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of the lord illuminated it the glory of god illuminates your house your tabernacle you 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 he doesn't need any sun it doesn't need any moon to light you up the lamp is his light And the nations, that means you, of those who are saved, that means you are saved, shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Kings of the earth means the Gentile kings. And you, as a king, also bring your glory and honor into it. The Gentile kings bring their wealth to you. All the favor of the world comes to you. And the righteousness of the kings of the kingdom bring their righteousness into it. Because they are righteous in Christ Jesus. And its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. There is no night with you. Because you are in Christ Jesus. But look at verse 27. Revelation chapter 21 verse 27. There shall by no means. Say no means. Enter anything that defiles. Satan cannot enter this place. Or cause any abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And then finally, Jesus finishes Revelation. He talks about this church. He's talking about you and me. And then finally, he tells John, verse, chapter 22, verse 6. He says, and he said to me, these words are faithful and true. What I preach today through the word of God, what the Holy Spirit is telling you, these words are not fables. These words are faithful and true. When I tell you, I'm telling the Holy Spirit tells you, that you are righteous in me. I am perfect. That you are without any fault. You have no deceit. You, these are true words. He says, And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Look at verse, what he says. Hallelujah. 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 Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. What is the prophecy of the book of Revelation? That you are a golden lampstand. You are perfect. And then he says, in verse 10, everybody read that verse 10. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 10 and 11. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Do not seal. He told Daniel, seal the words of the book. But to you and me, the Holy Spirit says, don't seal these words. Don't stop meditating on it. Don't stop believing it. Don't stop talking about it. Don't seal this. Believe it. Don't preach about it. Don't hold it back, don't seal the words. Let everybody know this truth, that you are perfect in me, that your righteousness is complete, your perfection is not a work in progress, it's an accomplished reality. You, my righteousness is your glory. Believe it. And then what he says, your forever state, See everybody says, everybody say, the forever state. The forever state. I am in a forever state. A forever, state of A forever state of righteousness. Nothing can shake me. Nothing can move me. My actions cannot remove me. My lack of actions cannot hurt me. For I am in Christ Jesus. His righteousness is my righteousness. His glory is my glory. I am without fault. And without reproach. Before the throne of God. I receive the word of righteousness. I believe it. I believe his blood. Which speaks better things. Than the blood of Abel. The of April. Therefore, April. the earth will bear fruit. My life will bear fruit. For this word of righteousness, word of righteousness. will sprout and bring forth fruit. Now, this is true, this is powerful. Because this word of righteousness has now fallen on understanding hearts. The Lord says you have become good ground to produce what the word is designed to produce. And this word is designed to produce miracles, signs, wonders and prosperity. Hallelujah. See unless you receive it and believe it. It will not produce what the seed has been designed to produce. It's not your job to produce that. It's not your job to bring that forth. That's the job of the seed. Your job is to receive with meekness the implanted word of righteousness. And today, my brothers and sisters, you have received it. Now let's read the forever state in Revelation chapter 22 verse 11. Get ready, get ready, get ready. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. What is it? What is he saying? He's saying, if you are unjust, you can never become justified apart from Christ Jesus. You can do whatever you want. You can follow 10 principles, read a thousand books, follow all kinds of gurus, go to a mountain, go to a hill. You will remain unjust. If you are filthy, you can never change your filthy state because apart from Christ Jesus, you cannot ever become righteous. Give up, is he saying, On your flesh. Your flesh has no value. Mm -hmm. Counted rubbish, no recycle bin in your life. Now get ready for the best part. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. This is coming from the throne room of God. God is declaring if you are born righteous, you will stay righteous. If you are born holy, you will stay holy. Hallelujah. He says, it has nothing to do with what you do. I have said it and it will be so. Hallelujah. If you are holy, you will stay holy. If you are righteous, you will stay righteous. And then verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. He's talking about good works that because of your righteousness that you produce fruit. Hallelujah. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He says, I am there when you were born. I am there at, at the end. And I am telling you, it's a done deal. Say it's a done deal. a done deal. Let me ask you a question. If you are building a house and you are an architect, you made a perfect house. And this is what God did. He made a perfect plan. He made a perfect architecture and he started building the house, correct? His plan is perfect, his architecture is perfect, he started building. He made you, correct? When will you say the house is finished? When will you say the house is finished, ready to occupy? The architect says so. No. The architect will say this house is built according to specifications, correct? But who will say that this house is ready to occupy? The inspector, the inspector, what will the inspector do? He will go in and check and what will he check? Made according to. He will say, what is the architect's plan? Is this made exactly according to plan? Correct? Yes. So when the uh, inspector says, yes, it's made according to plan, he's ready to occupy. Now is the house ready to occupy? Yes. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. That means I'm the architect and the inspector. I am the first and the last. I am telling you it's a done deal. I am saying you that you are not messed up because you do not know your future. But the inspector knows. He says, I am there at the end. I've gone ahead and I am telling you, you are righteous, too. you are holy still. And guess what? Therefore, you rejoice right now. And believe the forever state that God has called you. He's saying, I am the end. I am telling you, the house is ready to occupy. Hallelujah. And we'll cover a lot of other things in the coming passage because there's so much stuff. We'll tell you all some of the greatest messages that Jesus preached. And you know, Jesus preached this word of righteousness in the house in his hometown of Nazareth. It's so powerful. He, you know, and this is such a beautiful thing. And in one of the gospel, it just said, Jesus preached in the synagogue in Nazareth and he could do no mighty work there and just finishes. Two gospels just put three verses about that thing. But Luke actually goes and tells you the exact message that Jesus preached. You know, would he be so excited if somebody gave you a tape recording of what Jesus preached in one of the synagogues in Nazareth? If somebody tell you, man, I got a video, video that you want to see. Luke recorded this thing. Jesus walks into this Nazareth synagogue. He opens the book of Isaiah. And he opens up to Isaiah 61. And preaches this message that the Holy Spirit just preached to you today. And says, you are a tree of righteousness. And their righteousness is from me. And they are forever perfect in me. And they will, everything. And Nazareth said, what kind, who, they have never heard this preaching. In fact, the Bible says, they marveled at the gracious words that came out of Jesus' mouth. What were those gracious words that came out of Jesus' mouth? It was this unmerited message of righteousness that God was saying, this is. Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they are like, this is too good to be true. We cannot believe this. And guess what happened? Jesus could do no mighty work there. Why? Because the miracles that happen in your life happen because of the fruits of believing this message of righteousness. See, that's the mystery. That's the mystery. When you believe it, the miracles happen. The same message. Go back and read Isaiah 61. It's about righteousness. And he says, they didn't believe it. They're like, man, this is so good. This is too good to be true. And they didn't believe it. And Jesus said, he could do no mighty work there. Because they did not hear the voice that speaks better things than that of Abel. For, for the longest time, Israel has been hearing condemnation and judgment. When this voice of grace came into that synagogue, it was too good. So if you in your spirit, when I, when I shared some things, so it's like, man, this is too good to be true. You are saying exactly what the people in Nazareth said. Some things you might acknowledge that these are too good but there is no value just because something is too good. You need to believe that it is true. That is why Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 write to my church that these words are just not good words to you know, feel good about it. Believe. This is faithful and true. It is true. It is a serious thing. It is not just like feel good. It's a Saturday evening, Anil is preaching a feel-good message. No, this is the gospel. This is the word that if you don't believe, Satan has access to you. He says, this is the word that will keep them from the evil one in this world. Sanctify them by this truth. and That's why I want you to get this understanding of this truth. What is the truth? His righteousness, my glory. Hallelujah. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling led to share one more passage. Can I, can I guys, can I share one more passage? Cause I, you know, this is powerful. This word of righteousness is so powerful that Job chapter 33, and you should read this Job chapter 33. He's talking about a man who is close to death. Job chapter 33 verses 19. A man is also chastened with pain on his bed. And with strong pain in many of his bones. So that his life abhors death and his soul succulent food. His flesh wastes away from sight and his bones stick out which once were not seen. That means this guy is in a bad state. Say bad state. He is very close to death. He almost looks like a cancer victim to me. Yes, his soul draws near the pit. And his life to the executioners. That means he's getting ready to be killed. By Satan and his kingdom. Then suddenly. God is speaking from heaven. If there is a messenger for him. Somebody tell him. A mediator. One among a thousand. To show man. Whose uprightness. Look at the word H. If you can send. Send a message. To that man, you send a message. The guy is at his death. He's almost about to die. Can somebody send a message to him and tell him what? How bad he is? How he is messed up in his life? That he needs to correct his life? That he has been sinning? That he needs to confess his sins? What? To show man Jesus' righteousness. Then what will happen? Then he is gracious to him. Then Jesus is gracious to him. And will say, deliver him from the pit. I have found a ransom. Who is the ransom? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus' righteousness is your ransom. And guess what will happen? The moment his flesh will be young like a child. He will return to the days of his youth. He shall pray to God. And he will delight in him. He will see his face with joy. See the face of Jesus? H is capitalized. How do you see the righteousness of Jesus? You see his face with joy. For he restores man. What? H is capitalized? Yes. Is this the Old Testament or New Testament? Testament. <laughs> Can you be healed from the gates of hell? From death? By knowing his righteousness. What is needed for this man when he's about to die? Tell the man about Jesus' righteousness. Somebody. Somebody send him a word and tell him that Jesus' righteousness is enough. Hallelujah. <coughs> and after he is healed, not before, after he's healed, look at what next verse. Then he looks at man, this man who was almost about to die. He looks at man and he says, I have sinned. See, which came first? The healing or his confession of sin? Which came first? Revelation of Jesus' righteousness as a gift to him. That came first. Then came what? Right away, the miracle happened. Like Nazareth, the miracles would have popped up right away if they believed Jesus' righteousness as an acceptable gift that he had just preached, finishing. And third, then you'd have brought repentance because you'd have to say, oh, you know what? I have sinned and perverted what was right and it did not profit me. That means I was following the ways of the world. And then what? He will redeem his soul from going down. His life shall see the light. You see the power of this word, of righteousness of Jesus Christ. Say Jesus, his righteousness. Powerful. Powerful. It's sufficient for everything in your life. That is why Jesus said, John chapter 17, is not understood. Because it's not preached in all its raw power. Without trying to dilute it. but Without trying to give, uh, uh, give caveats to that perfection. Without trying to super spiritualize everything. It's real. The glory is real. The healing is real. The righteousness of Jesus is real, my brothers and sisters. His blood speaks better things on this earth for you. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Father, I pray for... Thank you, Lord, for revealing your truth to my brothers and sisters. O Makara, even as you promised that your word will not return to you void, and the earth will bring forth fruit, and, he, and you are talking about the fruit of righteousness, the word of righteousness seed that is now sown into all these fields. Fertile goods fields. Oh master. That they. Their warfare is the warfare regarding. Staying steadfast. In their conscience. Concerning their blamelessness report. Lord father I pray. When the enemy brings. A a report of reproach. And blame. Lord I pray Lord. That they will have. The armor of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And the shield and the buckler of truth. The truth being Lord that. They are righteous in you. That God finds no fault in them. And God's. And the Lord Jesus Christ face towards them. Is a face of no condemnation. And just as you told the woman. Says where are thine accusers. Lord. And she replied. There is none Lord. And I pray that out of all this group O oh Lord. That they will never hear the voice of an accuser in their life. That you can boldly say to the father. Father, where are their accusers? And the Lord the father says, I have moved, removed their accusers far from them. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And that weapon is an accusation. Every tongue, every tongue, every tongue, every tongue. That rises up against you in judgment. 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 Tongue. Judgment. Voices in your head. In your spirit. That accuses you. On a regular basis. That you are filthy. You are unjust. You don't make it. You need to get better. It's a lie says the Lord. Those are not my voice. And that's not my spirit. And that's an evil one. That trespassing on your inheritance because you have not received the word of righteousness. Receive with gladness, says the Lord, this truth that he who is righteous is righteous still. He who is holy is holy still. Father, I thank you for this word. And I believe that they will receive the fruits thereof. Powerful signs and wonders will pop up in their families and in their life. For you are faithful to God, your word. You have not even come close to seeing the incredible favor, the incredible victory, and the incredible power of the seed that has just been sown into your life. Get ready, says the Lord, and water it, with this word, water it, meditate on it, and chew on it, and receive the full reward a 30, a 60, and a hundredfold harvest in this time and in the days to come. Some of you all are saying, four months and then the harvest. And you've been pushing forth your miracles and signs and wonders into the future. The Lord says, lift up your eyes and see. The fields are already white unto harvest. Receive your harvest right now. Receive your harvest. See, I receive see. My, harvest. my harvest. And now name your harvest that you're believing for. Kura Mashutana. Some of some of y'all have not willing to say that because you think y'all are going to be qualified in the future. The Lord says, don't say four months and then the harvest. Say right now, the seed is in good enough to bear harvest right now. Right now. Right now. Right now I receive my harvest because I receive with gladness the implanted word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. The word of righteousness, the word of glory is your inheritance forever. Father, I praise you and I pray that your hand will now move upon this church, O Master, and do only what you do. The signs and wonders that the world will know and testify that, and esteem us highly because they know that the Lord has done and has been faithful to this word. Thank you, Jesus. Healings. I just see healings all around. Powerful works of healings, creative miracles. Lord, thank you, Lord, because nothing is impossible for you and we cast this mountain of the law out from our, in, who accuses us out from our to master. And we declare your righteousness. As you said, I have found a ransom. And a youth and their flesh will become like a babies. And new skin, new skin is going to be formed. And new organs, Lord says, organs that were not there, I will put it in. For you receive it, because it is yours new organs parts of organs that are malfunctioning the Lord says I will rec- recreate it right now procedures that you wanted to do the Lord says you, will do- you won't have to do it anymore because I am a God who is the Alpha and Omega and I have finished the work I have finished the work Receive the work, says the Lord. Not disqualify yourself because of your righteousness, but treat your righteousness as rubbish and receive the excellence of this knowledge of the righteousness of my son and make a way to receive these new organs in the body, in your loved ones, in Jesus' name. Remove the blame far. From your soul, says the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He heals all your diseases. He fills your mouth with scriptural declarations of good things. Your youth will be renewed like the eagles. Put it in your mouth, this word of righteousness, and speak it that you are perfect forever. And I will cause every fruit in its season to manifest. Surely and quickly is the now word for you, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Surely and quickly is the now word for you, George. Surely and quickly is the now word for you Karama shutuno kuramashi kire mashutuno kurakaramashi sikire mashutuno kurala karamasetenikire tikire mashutuno kurasitenikire mashutuno Don't try to please me says the lord for that is bad doctrine For I am already well pleased with you. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Thank you, Jesus. Work out my joy that I already have for you. Work it out and show it to the world. And the works of joy will be the works of wonder. Thank you, Lord. Thank you much. Father, we rebuke and curse every symptom of stress. People who have headaches and migraine headaches, the Lord says, I am removing and cursing the root of stress that is causing that in the name of Jesus. I curse that root of stress. Take no thought, says the Lord. Aren't you of more value than many birds and many sparrows and of the grass of the earth and of everything that I made? Are you not of me, says the Lord? Therefore, take no thought. You are worried about many things. Only one thing is needed. And choose that. The word of righteousness. The face of my son. Receive it with gladness. Thank you Lord. And put my face of my son in front of me. The face of joy. The face of goodness. The face of good things. The face that is not against you. The face that is innocent. That the face that doesn't harm you. The face that doesn't look at you harshly. The face that does not have a hard gaze at you. The face that loves you. Receive with gladness that face. And Father, we thank you for you are true. For all your works are works of rest. And we receive it with meekness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.